That was great worship, wasn't it? Oh my God. Way to go, worship team. We are still at the um, uh, soft opening phase. <laughs> We're really trying to keep the numbers down rather than trying to get people in here. And, uh, and we're still like working everything out, but the worship team, my goodness, you guys are like starting to like become like a full complement what it can be like. This is like amazing with like the drum and the bass and like, you know, it's like, whoa, this is great worship. Good job. I'm looking forward to like party on with you guys. It's gonna be great. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, it's lovely here. I, on this semi-long weekend. Anybody getting a Monday off? Uh, some of us, uh, some of us are like, no, sucks. <laughs> but, but anyway, welcome. It's good to see you here. I uh, just really enjoy being in the church, worshiping God. So thanks for coming. We are in a sermon series called, How Can Faith Help With? going through different topics. And today's topic is F-U-D, FUD. Have you heard this phrase, FUD? How many of you have heard this phrase? Those on the Wall Street have heard this phrase. Come on. F-U-D, right? FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt. It's a very well-known phrase in the Wall Street. Uh, it's what investors have to deal with to explain briefly. You know, the stock market is a constant battle between fear and hope, greed and, you know, this terror <laughs> of losing your money, of conviction and hope versus doubt about what's happening, FUD. So whenever the market is going down, it's FUD at work, right? Investors get fearful, it's uncertain, you have doubts, so the market goes down. And then when they are feeling really good, market goes up, market is like a manic depressive character. It just goes up and down, back and forth. But that happens in life too. We too have to contend with FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. In Basically, every major decision in life, there is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right? In personal choices, in career choices, in financial matters, there's always some doubt, right? You know, am I dating the right person? Am I in the right job, right field? Should we buy this house today or just keep renting? Should I marry the person I'm dating and commit? It's a lifelong decision. How can there not be some fear and uncertainty and doubt, right? Austin, you just moved here from, to New York. Welcome to New York. Woo! He's, uh, he's with us leading worship. Wasn't it great hearing him? There's got to have been some uncertainty and doubt about moving here, right? What's going to happen? Should I move? Should I not move? Yeah, we have to contend with these, these decisions. 
and we have to contend with all this fear. And there is no absolute clear answer to the decisions we have to make, right? I mean, how can there be? We're not God. We can't see the future. We don't know for sure how things will work out. That's why we have to contend with FUD. And there is a healthy part to it, an unhealthy part to it. Because there is a healthy dose of doubt that we do need to entertain. Because how can we be 100% confident in anything? You know, unless you're like, you know, back to the future, you've seen what happens, you know. <laughs> Doc Brown, was it his name? He could go back and forth. Like, unless you have one of those time machines, it's healthy to have some doubt about what you have to decide. It's emotionally healthy and rational to have some uncertainty and doubt. We need to question, especially about the things we take for granted. Because we live in an ever-changing world that seems to move faster every year. So there does need to be a healthy dose of rethinking everything. But at the same time, too much FUD can be paralyzing and detrimental. I mean, how many times have we been like just beset with doubt and fear and that just is very unhealthy physically, emotionally, in every way, right? Can't second-guess every decision. So how do we navigate all these major decisions we have to make all the time and all the FUD we have to contend with? What's the, how do we do that? In a good way, healthy way, rational way, faith can help. The Bible offers a very interesting passage containing interesting insights into how God can help us with FUD, how faith can help broaden and enrich our lives as we make all these decisions. So let's take a look at this uh, passage from the book of Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, but not a Christian. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The, Lord, the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Google directions, right? I hope they can find him. <laughs> when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter was up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four 
corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. See, these four-footed animals and reptiles and birds, they are unclean foods, not kosher, not supposed to eat them. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the man sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, yay, and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Peter, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The man replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. This is a very interesting passage, a, a critical moment in the history of church, actually. This man, Cornelius, the passage said he is devout and God-fearing. But he was a Roman soldier, an officer, not a Jew, not a Christian, but a Roman, like a captain in the army, in today's terms, who was actively helping the Roman Empire, which was famous for being oppressive and bloody and genocidal <laughs> at the time, and really oppressed the uh, believers all over the world. A modern equivalent would be like, he's like a Nazi officer, right? That would be a modern equivalent. And yet, he is still called devout and God-fearing by this passage in the Bible. That can kind of spin your head around, right? I mean, God seems to like this man very much. It's so very clear in the passage, yet he's not a Jew, not a Christian. In fact, a, a soldier in a bloody empire supporting an oppressive system. Not very woke, right? What an interesting point the Bible makes, that God could be speaking to and having a great relationship with all kinds of people all over the world, whether they are Christian or not. I guess what matters is what's in the heart, right? Rather than the labels. Anyway, then the passage moves on to St. Peter. And he has a vision during his prayer time. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. This happens three times. Now, why is Peter so shocked and adamant about not eating this food? Well, because they are impure and unclean. They are not kosher. You've heard that phrase, kosher, 
right? Halal, kosher, there are all kinds of passages in the Bible that are repeatedly tells you which animals are unclean, impure, which are okay to eat, and very strong prohibitions about not eating them, right? So Peter is really shocked. Surely not, Lord. Right? You, can, you can sense like how scandalized he is, right? Surely not. And yet, Peter calls this mysterious voice, Lord. Meaning, Peter recognizes this voice as from God, right? He recognizes God's voice. He's had visions before. He's uh, very familiar with how God speaks. He, he knows the pattern of the Holy Spirit and the manner of the Spirit speaking. He knows this is God. And so he is just shocked, right? How could God command this of Peter? He is shocked because of three factors, the Bible or the rules, the tradition or inertia habits, and the social expectations. First, the rules of the Bible. Why would God command Peter to break the command set out in the Bible so repeatedly and so clearly? Isn't the Bible from God? Why would God contradict what's written in the Bible? Is it a test? Is it a voice from temptation? Peter can't believe it. And second, the tradition of believers is very strong about the kosher food. You just don't do it. And all the social expectations on Peter is that he would obey the Bible and follow the tradition. So Peter is beset with FUD, F-U-D, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Can you sense when Peter is scandalized, he is uncertain and doubtful, and he is afraid, right? He is in a corner. Is it really God speaking? What would, why would God ask me to break the rules of the Bible? What would other Christians say? I'll be so attacked and criticized. This is not right. See, Peter is like us. We too make most of our decisions based on social expectations, on tradition, the way that we have done things, or the rules. You know, for us Christians, the Bible has a lot of rules that we need to live by. Everybody has rules in their heads. And they are pretty helpful as a framework, but they can also blind us to what is right and what is a just society and just way of life. It can narrow and impoverish our life to just follow what was done before or just because they are the rules. The passage that moves on to three men who come to Peter. The Holy Spirit said to him, Peter, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now, why would Peter hesitate? You know, why would he hesitate to go with them? This is where Cornelius and the vision about the food stuff really connects. Why would Peter hesitate? Because there are just as many clear instructions about believers not hanging out with people like Cornelius, right? There are clear instructions in the Bible not to do that. Cornelius is not a Jew, not a Christian. They are impure and unclean 
too. Just like the food was, some people can also be labeled impure and unclean. And the rules of the Bible, the tradition, and the social expectation is that a holy man like Peter would obey the rules and not hang out with people like Cornelius. And that is what God is really concerned about. The food stuff is not that important, is it? Eat it, not eat it. I mean, all goes in and comes out, you know? But people are important to God. It's the narrow-minded, rules-based decision-making process of the religious Christians that God is trying to break us out of. So believers can come alive more fully, but it's not easy. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the non-Christians also had received the word of God. See, because Peter goes with them, a whole bunch of people become Christians, right? So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the religious Christians criticized him and said, you went into the house of non-Christians and ate with them. How dare you break the rules of the Bible? You are not holy. Which is like, you know, of all people, Christians, you think they would be happy to hear that a whole bunch of people became Christians? Right? I mean, wouldn't you think so? If you today, if you heard like a whole bunch of non-Christians became Christians because some religious leader went to them and preached the gospel or something, wouldn't you say, oh, that's a good thing? So why are they reacting like this? It sounds ridiculous today, right? But back in those days, this was serious matter. I mean, this was for their generation, in their time, like hanging out with non-Christians, like even to eat with them, that just, how could you break the Bible? Can't do that. So they place more importance on that than people becoming Christians and getting saved and going to heaven, right? The Bible is more important. It's about integrity of the Bible. So that's how they felt. So let's consider for a moment who Peter is and what his position is in the church. You've heard of St. Peter and the pearly gates, right? He's like, he controls the gates of heaven, right? I mean, that's a pretty prominent position, wouldn't you say? A lot of power in the church. You see, Jesus gave Peter a special place in the church. For example, it was Jesus who gave him the name Peter, which means the rock, literally. And Jesus said, I tell you that you are Peter, the rock. And on this rock, or in the uh, original uh, Greek, on Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So because of this event, the Catholic Church traces the authority and legitimacy of popes back to Peter, the shoes of the fishermen. You know, as the Bishop of Rome, they feel that Jesus himself gave this primary position to Peter. So on Peter, I will build my church, right? So the popes trace their authority to Peter. So, in, so the majority of Christians alive today consider Peter the first pope, you know? So Peter is a big deal in the church, right? Yet later in the Bible, Peter seems to have lost his 
preeminent influence in the church. James the Just, who was not even an apostle, seems to have the most influence in the church, not Peter. And this loss of prestige and leadership, many theologians speculate that it's because of this issue. The Bible-believing religious Christians at the time suspected Peter of being too soft. You know, too soft on sin. Doesn't take the Bible seriously enough. So Peter lost a lot of influence. Just like Jesus, who received similar criticism and paid the cost with his life. It takes high cost to follow God's voice. Where FUD comes in. And we too at the river, as a church, pay the high cost for taking the position to include the LGBTQ community fully up front. We got so much criticism for being too soft on sin, not taking the Bible seriously enough. We lost like two-thirds of the church. <laughs> Such a high cost. I got to tell you, as the lead pastor, I, I had to like contend with a lot of FUD. Maybe we made the wrong decision. This is just such a high cost. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. The social expectations, the tradition, the rules of the Bible, they all pointed to continue excluding the LGBTQ community, at least subtly and behind the scenes, which many churches are doing today. And uh, I was told by the leaders of our denomination at the time, just, just don't be so upfront about including them fully. Just, we can kind of do it on, like, behind the scenes, like, you know, just don't be upfront. And I was even offered a board position in the denomination. If I would just not rock the boat so much and just be so upfront about it, you know, it's such a scandalous issue, you know, don't do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because of faith, because of God's leading, because of experiences like what Peter experienced, you know, God was leading. I heard God's voice that the gospel is about including people. It's not about excluding people. It's about treating all human beings the same way. It, it's the gospel is good news because it is so open-hearted, and it's good news to all people. You can't classify a group of people as if they are second-class citizens because most people don't have to deal with that kind of issue. It's not right. So we made the decision why we did, and I'm sure glad we did, despite all the costs. Now, why am I so confident that we did the right thing? And no one can be 100% sure. But we know how God operates. God is constantly trying to broaden the possibilities and connections in our life. This is how you can tell if your decisions are making your life narrow and get you into a groove and get you to like just hang out with the same kind of people who think like you, look like you, and you know, like church, it's famous for being the most segregated place on the United States. You know, that's not God. God is constantly trying to do like what you saw in this passage, like break you out of your rut and get you to hang out with people who you wouldn't normally 
get you to enter the house of Cornelius. That's God. Broaden your connections. Make it more diverse. See, we all get on a track, you know? We all get on a groove. And most of us, we live in response to social expectations. And it becomes very typical, our lives. And that's not the way to come fully alive. To get fully alive, you have to do out-of-the-way kind of things. You know? You know, Mike Eller, he has recently become our worship director, and one of the things I really respect about him is that they adopted two African-American kids. Um, and that's unusual, right? Because they're white. And, <laughs> you know, there's more color here, you know, in the family. I like that. That feels like God to me. I mean, you can never be sure, but that's the direction you want to go. So, go with decisions that's going to enrich and bring more color to your life. That's God. You know, don't, don't be beset into, by fear into being in a rut. Break out. That's my first practical suggestion today. Don't live in response to social expectations, tradition, and rules. Go with decisions that will move you towards bigger life, broader life, wider connections. Now, this is something that you might hear often in this culture. Live authentically, you know, right? Live colorfully. It's easier said than done because there is a high cost to pay to buck the trend. So that's where faith can come in. Listen to the voice of God within your soul. Ask God to speak to you like God did with Peter. Ask God to broaden your life, and God will answer your prayers. And you will start to live more fully, more connected, more fulfilling. Ask God for it. This is the kind of prayer God loves to answer. And so if you decide in your heart that with God's help, I'm going to broaden the scope of my life, that's decision of faith. That's the kind of life that I want this church to pursue. I love the church we have become. Yay, church. We're smaller, but I feel good about who we are. And, and, and Jack is going, yeah. Exactly. It's great. There are diverse people here. Uh, we, are, we have a possibility of including more interesting people. Because of where we are and how we have decided to go. I feel like our soul as a church has become kinder and easier, more relaxed, and has more room for all kinds of different people. From people like Cornelius to any other kind. And that's the kind of church I like being with. So yay church, thanks for being here. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you did with Peter and Cornelius and how that really enriched the whole world, actually, that, that the gospel, gospel did not stay confined to the Jews in the Middle East. It broadened out and became very colorful and rich. And we're benefiting from that even today. 
And I ask now that your Holy Spirit will fall upon us, that we will hear your voice like Peter did and able to break out of strong traditions that we ourselves are in, the rut that we can fall into. I pray that we would all be given the blessing and empowerment to live a more rich, more diverse, more fulfilling lives. In Jesus' name, amen.